this is Kilan from Rest Reflections. Welcome to episode 22 of At Work, our fortnightly podcast on all things inequality, injustice and oppression in the workplace. And as always, I would like to invite you to send us your questions, your queries, your dilemmas, anything you would like us to dedicate some thinking, some musing, some reflecting on. And you can do that by getting in touch via email using contact at restreflections.co.uk or at work at restreflections.co.uk. And so today I would like us to think a little bit about the importance of mastering the art of relaxation and learning to relax, particularly in context where we are dealing with issues of racial trauma, with adverse experiences, or we are simply existing in spaces not designed for us. So I'm going to say a little bit about that, about why I think it's really important for marginalized people at large to master the art of relaxation, but particularly important for people who are dealing with experiences of race discrimination, of marginalization and of resulting racial trauma. Now, if you can hear my kitten in the background, please accept my apologies. It's actually seven o'clock in the morning and she heard my voice and she's now begging, of course, for me to let her in, which I shall do now before pursuing with the rest of the podcast. Okay, so I have now let her in the office and she is exploring and purring intermittently. I hope it's not going to be too disruptive, but actually we are talking about relaxation and cat purrs have been found to really help us to slow down when it comes to stress. And so relaxation, let us try to have some kind of basic entry definition. What do I mean by relaxation? I simply mean any activities that is going to allow us to slow down, to reset, to baseline and to feel somewhat more in control of our physiology. So I'm talking about activities. I'm talking about anything that is going to slow our respiratory rate, that is going to slow our heart rate, and that is going to make us feel perhaps a little bit more soothed, more relaxed, more in control. I'm really sorry, guys. I'm really sorry. I can hear her. And so why does it matter? Why does it matter? Well, we know that for various reasons, actually, but we do know that people who have experience of trauma or who have gone through adverse experiences or who are simply working in contexts that are possibly hostile or where they might experience challenge because of their identity are likely to be what we might say using a 
kind of self-compassion formulation in threat mode or in threat system. And that is in reference to our emotional regulation system, which is composed of essentially three main feeling states. We can be in soothing mode, we can be in drive mode or we can be in threat mode and when we are in threat mode we are geared towards survival towards detecting dangers when we are in soothing mode we are feeling safe we're more able to connect and we feel relaxed and when we are in drive mode our energies physical and cognitive are focused on competing, on essentially seeking out those resources that we need. And so relaxation is something that is going to reset our physiology. When we go through those experiences, our physiology is bound to be a little bit out of balance, right? So rather than being able to return or to feel safe as the predominant feeling state, we are going to feel in the red, we're going to feel anxious, we are going to feel on guard, we are going to feel perhaps a little bit hyper vigilant and we are going to be essentially easily activated, more easily reactive, more on alert. And all those responses that are partly cognitive and partly physiological are underpinned by complex neurobiological um, processes, which I'm not going to get into in this episode, but nonetheless, they exist to ensure that we keep ourselves safe. They exist to ensure that we can trigger our freeze, fight and flight responses in case of dangers in our environment. And so it's important that we understand that discrimination, that oppression, that marginalization, that exclusion, are going to trigger in us those physiological processes. And so people sometimes don't understand why they feel so tired when they are undergoing uh, difficult experiences at work that are related to their identity or to issues of racism. But this is part of what's going on, partly because we have to be so alert because we don't feel safe. And if we don't feel safe, our body survival mechanisms are going to be triggered and activated. And whilst that is adaptive, chronic stress, and so that means living constantly in threat mode, or let's say living recurrently, if not chronically, in threat mode is going to have an adverse impact on our physical health and on our mental health. So in the longer term, it's actually pretty toxic for our bodies and for our mind. But in the shorter term, in the workplace, and this is really where I want to focus on, in the short term, it might well mean that it becomes more difficult for us to think as optimally as we can, to problem solve. And so I mean to use our finer cognitive skills, right? What we tend to refer to in psychology as our executive functions, right? Because when the part of the brain or where the kind of hormonal cycles get into motion that set us in threat 
mode um, the part of the brain, the structures that are the most implicated in thinking, in reasoning, in reflecting, in problem solving, are going to be uh, somewhat inhibited and in fact significantly inhibited depending on the level of stress that we are experiencing in the moment. And so this is where we get, if you like, doubly penalized or doubly disadvantaged. We are disadvantaged because we are undergoing difficult experiences, painful experience. So that's difficult. And so that might be distressing and that might be isolating. So we have to deal with that. But also the physiological correlates of those experiences mean that it can be very difficult for us to put into practice some of the solutions that might help us to get possibly some kind of resolution or to get out of those situations or to think through what might be the best way to respond. And so if I had to give you maybe two or three reasons as to why it is important to centre relaxation for people of colour in particular, because this is where we tend to focus on here, on race, but again, equally applicable to other marginalised groups, is that number one, those kind of contexts kind of experience, this kind of history, we could even say, tend to make us more reactive in the moment, particularly when we feel unsafe. And that is completely understandable. That is completely explainable, actually, physiologically and in terms of neuroscience. So there is no anomaly there. So we are more reactive. We tend to be more reactive in contexts where we don't feel safe and our safety is often going to be related to issues of exclusion. So that is not Number one, to try to mitigate the tendency to be reactive, particularly if we feel unsafe. And number two, that is going to help us to reset our physiology in a way that is going to be helpful for us to think uh, optimally and so therefore to problem solve. That is important. And finally, number three, once our physiology are reset to baseline or as closely as possible to baseline, what is going to happen is that our executive functions, the final cognitive skills that we can rely on to try and resolve the situation that we might find ourselves in are going to be more readily available. And so I feel sometimes self-conscious to say to people who are marginalized and to say to black people, listen, we need to do a little bit of work when it comes to managing those triggers, when it comes to managing this reactiveness, because it is in our interest. I understand in an ideal world, we wouldn't need to do this work. And I understand that that might be read as focusing the honours for change and for our safety and for our protection on ourselves. I hear that, I understand that, and I largely agree. But nonetheless, this is where we are. I'm not sure that systems are configured necessarily to understand, to want to understand what these climates, experiences, contexts, which are discriminatory, which are exclusive, which are marginalizing due to our bodies. And so we can arguably say, well, I shouldn't 
have to do this work because I shouldn't have to experience discrimination, marginalization, oppression, racism, right? I hear. But nonetheless, it is your body and, you know, take the approach that you see fit. I'm here to try to give you a few tips from a psychological perspective if you want to try to protect yourself and mitigate the impact of racial trauma if this is something that you're dealing with. But yeah, essentially, as I say, there are more than one ways to resist and there is no magic formula to overcome and to navigate white supremacy. So entirely up to you. But if you want to hear a little bit about the kind of activities that you may want to practice, then bear with me. And so what are those activities? I mean, there are really so much out there. And to some degree, they are going to be individualized because what I find soothing, what I found relaxing, what I find resetting of my baseline, what is going to help me to not be reactive, it's going to be very different from what the next person might find helpful, generally. But still, there are some trends. We do have a little bit of research evidence. So we know some of the activities that most people are likely to find helpful. So the first one is visualization. You can train yourself using visualization techniques, and those are all about trying to embody a sense of safety using the power of your imagination, the power of your mind, the power of visualization. So that is about visualizing what safety, what safeness, what feeling soothe feels like in particular space and really connecting to this embodied experience. And there are lots of scripts that exist out there. I mean, if you just Google visualization safety activities, loads is likely to come up, but also a pointer that I do have some activities in Living While Black that some listener might find helpful in trying. And there is a particular meditation around visualizing safeness. God, I'm sorry, I'm struggling to pronounce this word. So visualizing safeness. So that is the first thing, something about visualization. The second thing that you may want to try out always, always helpful is mindfulness. So being mindful of how your body responds Pond often. I was going to say sometimes that I want to say often, if not all the time, to be fair, when we are in situations that remind us of past difficult experience, of past trauma, past adverse event, we are likely to be triggered, as I say, we're likely to be reactive. And when we are in this kind of mode of being, we find it very difficult to see it coming. And so it's quite helpful. And when I say see it coming, I mean, we find ourselves in this state of reactiveness. Sometimes it seems that we go from zero to hundred, right? We tend not to go from zero to hundred. There are usually precursors, signs. There are usually small processes, small changes physiologically before we get to that place of feeling maybe activated to the point of no return. But there's always a return, of course, but you know what I mean. So what I want to say is that it's helpful to use mindfulness here to pay attention 
to really connect to what's happening to our body, to our embodied responses. And so what I call as embodied data. So what it might tell you about how you are feeling in this space, about what's going on for you, about what might be happening if you let the chain of events physiologically and disrupt it. And so that is the reason why connecting to what we are feeling in the moment can be a very useful tool or weapon to manage the impact of discrimination and of othering. So that might be a a tool. Again, some tips in Living Wild Black, but also, you know, lots of stuff really accessible on YouTube, on Google, on whatever search engine you use. So I would really encourage you to just be curious and do a little bit of digging. So we've had visualization, we've had mindfulness. And another thing which sits maybe at the intersection of those two is to ground ourselves with our breathing, right? So to to ground ourselves, to attempt really to be conscious, to be mindful, to use the power of our breath to reconnect to the moment in order to slow down our physiology. And that can just be about taking two, three, four minutes to be breathing with intention, right? So taking in air and breathing out uh, slowly, purposefully, and with the intention to reset. You can do that discreetly and nobody around you has to know that this is what you are doing. Even if, if people were to know that you were recentering your breath, I don't think that that would be a shameful thing to be seen doing, frankly. But if you are a little bit self-conscious, you can do it discreetly. You can take a moment, I mean, pop to the loo or to a more quieter space and then just breathe consciously, deliberately, with intention to reset your physiology and to slow down. And I'm not saying that because I'm a hippie kind of girl, you know, and I'm always zen. You know, I can be quite intense, I think, at times and quite passionate. And that's okay. I like that about me, right? That's the way I was I was designed. It works for me most of the time. But if there are situations where really it is in my interest, and I'm going to put to you that it is going to be in your interest to just slow down, right? To just and not only to protect yourself, to protect your body, but again, to give yourself the best, the optimal cognitive environment to make those more complex decisions. And so therefore to resist in a way that is going to be the most effective. So that is it from me today, a podcast focus on issues to do with, I guess, how we can make use of our body, our physiology, almost as a resistant tool. Now I'm proposing that relaxation, that visualization, that mindfulness, that recentering our breath can be tool that help us to sustain ourselves within white supremacist context or other contexts where we are marginalized and 
also are going to be tools to help us mitigate the impact of those experiences. Thank you very much for listening. What did you think? Anything helpful? Anything that you practice? Anything that you don't practice, but you're going to give us some feedback on your experience? Please get in touch. Again, contact at restreflection.co.uk or at work at restreflections.co.uk. Thank you very much for listening. And again, as always, until next time, please take care.